This is episode number 1,242 with Katie Spots. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is the inspiring Katie Spots, and the list of accomplishments to her name is so long, and it includes five Ironman triathlons, running 100 miles nonstop, cycling across the United States twice, a 325-mile river swim, running across deserts, and a solo row across the Atlantic Ocean. That's right. She went alone across the Atlantic Ocean. She's a woman on the move. And so I'm grateful to have her on the show today. And in this episode, we discuss how to find your calling and pursue it, even when you're not sure what you're supposed to do in this life, how to shift your mindset when you're going through extremely challenging and tough times, how to reach a flow state in any aspect of your life, why pain and failure is actually necessary for success, and so much more. This will inspire you, the things that she has overcome and endured is incredible the way she has mastered her mind in the face of adversity and pain. So if you're enjoying this at any moment, make sure to leave a review over on Apple Podcast. Share this with your friends on social media. Make sure to tag Katie as well. It'll all be in the description of the show notes over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. And feel free to share it on social media, lewishouse.com slash 1242 and spread the message of this interview. I'm so excited for you to dive in, the one and only Katie Spots. Welcome back, everyone, in the School of Greatness. Very excited about our guest. We have Katie Spots in the house. Good to see you. <laughs> Welcome, a fellow Ohio athlete. You kind of remind me, as I'm learning more about your story, of the female David Goggins, like this willing to take on any extreme endurance challenge. You have rowed across the Atlantic Ocean by yourself, which is crazy. You've done a number of rows across the ocean. You have run 11 ultra marathons in 11 days consecutively across Ohio. That's over 30 miles a day, setting a Guinness World Record. Many other incredible feats, running, rowing, all these different things. And you're also in the Coast Guard now, which is, is cool as well, another story. But I wanna ask you, how did you get into this in the first place of, of wanting to take on some of the most challenging things that the body can take on? And what is the biggest lesson you've learned about being an endurance athlete at this level? Yeah, so I actually started by avoiding physical activity. And so I had to take a gym class to get my high school diploma. Wow. I found the easiest class, which was walking, running, and uh -huh. I was going to put the least amount of effort to get that easy A and kind of move on. And I just did that at first, just putting that bare minimum effort. And I was already forced to be there. And so one week I was just kind of bored, right? Walking in circles is pretty boring. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, if I tried to run one mile straight, could I actually do it? And this is coming from someone who in team sports, I was physically there, but mentally I was kind of not checked in. And so it didn't really, I didn't connect with sports and the team sports, but I set that target and 
it wasn't this Nike moment. It wasn't this immediate thing, but it was a moment where redefining possible happened. And even when people say, oh, only one mile, all it takes is one mile to redefine this conversation we have with ourselves, which is, you know, I can and can't do things. And in my mind, I couldn't do that. And so knowing that I could do something I never thought I could, it started this little thing like, oh, well, if I never thought I could run one mile and I was wrong, what else am I wrong about? And so one turned into two, turned into three. And that place was really where Mm. all the confidence to take on, um, you know, running and cycling. And the same process happens within each sport of endurance. So you've never done it before. You're like, "Ah, I can't do 100 miles on a bike. I can't row three miles or hundreds of miles, but then yeah. you do one mile and you're like, okay, I can figure it out. Yes. And I mean, there's momentum. And I think what happens a lot when, you know, attempting bigger challenges is we expect that we need to be motivated. And mm. um, I learned very quickly that you don't actually need motivation. What you need is to begin and the motivation happens. Like a late Mm. friend that's coming to the party, that was something that, you know, I've run many marathons and ultra marathons, but I've never felt motivated at first. (laughs) And you don't need to. And so that's something endurance taught me. Um, Endurance has definitely shown me that just because you think you can't do something doesn't mean you're right. And so, you know, when I share what, what I do, a lot of times it's, well, I could never do that. And my first question is, have you tried? And if you haven't tried, you don't really know. And so, yeah, endurance has been a really great platform to be able to explore possibility. And I think that's what's also really cool about endurance is in team sports, it's winning, losing, sometimes tie. And in endurance, you're discovering what is humanly possible. What is the limit? And I mean, we wow. could go a long way. Long way. So how many years have you been doing this now, taking on challenges? So it's been about a decade. Mm-hmm. And so it started with running and moved to cycling. Short after my first marathon, I cycled across America. Crazy. How long did that take? That was 40 days. And then did it again as a race. And that was seven. Holy cow. Seven days? So we did it as a team. Oh, as a team, team. not individually. But there are people who do go. Seven days across country? Really? They're going like 10 hours a day, huh? 12, 15 hours a day. 22. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy what you can do. That's incredible. What what is possible? A friend of mine walked across the country. I think it took him like six months, but he got actually a snake bit him. So he had to take like a month off. And then he started back up once he healed his leg. Because it was like swollen. Oh my goodness. Uh, shout out to Mike Posner. I think it was a six month journey for him. But did you hike as or you walked as while you ran across the country? I, so I cycled across yeah. the United States and then swimming came next. And right. then there's been endurance rollerblading. And right. so basically, and, and rowing. So those are swim, bike, run, row, rollerblade. That's is all the long distance. What would you say has been the three greatest lessons that you've learned about yourself or the human capacity in the last 10 years of taking all these challenges on? 
a lot of these challenges, especially rowing across the Atlantic, it was a really just difficult decision to make because when I was in the airport saying goodbye to my family, we were looking at each other like, oh, we don't know if this is it. Wow. Because, I mean, it's not just physically hard. I didn't have a follow boat and nothing. There was no support there. There for two, three months. And so... Holy cow. So you're like a tiny little boat. Yes. Yeah. And so... Those were really hard decisions to make. Do I really care that much about doing this that I'm willing to give up potentially my life? Wow. And so that's as a 19, 20 year old, you know, making that kind of decision. Did you have a phone or anything in uh, the ocean? A satellite it? phone that worked at times oh and cost $1.50 a minute. So it was definitely for emergencies. And so I've learned a lot about fear. I don't necessarily like, of course I have fear. It's an, an important and a valuable emotion. It protects you when you, you know, know how to channel it. But there is the saying of like facing your fears. And for me, I see it more as choosing your fears because you really can't outrun your fears. Sometimes it seems like the easier answer is to quit, to give up, to not continue on. And sometimes that is the easier thing at first, but it may take days or weeks or months, maybe years or your deathbed. But this is the moment where it's the fear of regret. And so we have the fear of failure and the fear of regret. And so I really looked at fears and said, what one do I want to choose? Do I want to choose the fear of failure or the fear of regret? And with facing the fear of failure, yes, you get that discomfort, but you also get the reward of doing hard things. So just reframing fear, just Mm. because there is a lot of fear of failure in everything I do. And I mean, the last bigger challenge was running across Ohio and I was injured and wasn't able to run at all for four to six weeks before. So when people are like, oh, are you ready? No, I'm not. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like you just, you know, running on faith a little bit. So you weren't prepared physically. No, no, I I wasn't. Although you had done endurance before, you knew how to take it on, but you weren't, your body wasn't conditioned. So I was doing a, like a splits challenge for 30 days while training for that. And my hamstring didn't like that. So did you learn the splits? No. <laughs> it didn't work? No, I listened to my body and it didn't want to do it. So, so you got so a little was... bit closer down, but you didn't go all the way down. Yeah. No. I but... keep wanting to get more flexible, but I'm like, eh, maybe I'm just not supposed to be that much more. Maybe a little yeah. bit, but the split seems like a lot. Yeah. So what's the difference between choosing fear versus facing your fear? How should we be thinking about fear? Because it sounds like you're still afraid to take on these challenges. It's not just like, oh, this is going to be easy. There's still a lacking motivation, although you have a deeper sense of why you're doing things. But... How do you face on some daunting task with the fear or the anxiety of like, this is going to be painful. This is going to take a long time. What do you think about with the anticipation going up to it? And then also in the middle of it, when you're like, do I really want to be doing this right now? Or do I rather be relaxing? Very rarely once I begin, do I feel I don't want to be doing it or just because there's so much joy and I mean, even saying things like some of the things that I've done or do are similar to like a David Goggins. But I think my mindset is very different in that 
there's a lot of joy in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you should probably be in a better mood if you have that many endorphins. And so there's a lot of joy found in doing these things and just the changes that are happening in your body with all the endorphins and, you know, like the runner's high. And those are very real things that happen. And I believe that if you have a strong enough why, you could figure out how. And hows aren't as important as whys. And knowing that these runs, this temporary discomfort, it lasts a day, a week, but the impact can last a lifetime. And that's with using these as a platform to raise money for clean drinking water. And so Mm. all of the endurance challenges have helped over 43,000 people get clean water. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think if you didn't have a, a why behind it to help others, would you still be able to take on certain big challenges? and complete them, or do you feel like you'd give up more easily? You have to have a strong vision and purpose or else, I mean, your whys have to be stronger than your doubts, your fears, your discomforts. And so before doing any challenge, it's really reflecting on that why and making it stronger than than anything else that you might face. How do you do that then when you're thinking beforehand? How's the mindset? How do you frame it for yourself? Okay, in two weeks, I'm going to take on this big challenge for three months by myself in the middle of an ocean. How do you think about it? Is it something you're thinking about every day, nonstop? Well, this is why I'm doing it and the people that I'll impact, the memories that I'll have for the rest of my life and how I'll be proud of myself. What do you do? Sometimes the very thing that I feel most called to do is the thing that I almost want to avoid the most or I'm intimidated like, or I'm I don't scared. want to do that. Yeah. A part of me is like, I don't know if I can. And that's the exciting part. So there has to be an element of, I don't know if it's possible. Hmm, It has to feel like it's a call, like it's a calling. There's usually some resistance and that's when I know I'm on on to something. That's where you gotta go, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the thing you resist is oftentimes where you have the potential to grow. Absolutely. The most, so. So what are you thinking then after you've made the decision about your why, like leading up to it a couple weeks before? You've already committed to this thing that you resisted. You've planned it out. You know like what you're going to be eating and the stops and all the training for it. What do you think about in that place then leading up the final couple weeks? The plan, whether things are coming together with the plan and all the steps. Uh, I think a lot about nutrition mm-hmm. and like fueling strategies and making sure I have all the gear and double checking. And some of these events do have crew. So having calls with crew, communicating and problem solving, thinking about potential problems. And what's also important is before going into every challenge, before I get emotional is what is the pull the plug moment. And so it's to the point where I don't really need a crew to be like, keep going. I need a crew to be like, stop. Stop. Your leg is literally broken in half. (laughs) We need to relax. So we've, you know, identified those things. And yeah, that could be a hard moment to be in when you're in the middle of a challenge. You have all this adrenaline. You have all these emotions tied up to it. So I think it's very healthy to know when to stop. And Have you ever stopped? No. I mean, you tore your ACL, MCL, and you kept going in a rollerblading endurance race, so... Yes. I mean, (laughs) I did get the MRIs 
after, so I didn't know that it so was. Maybe I tweaked it a little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was gotcha. a little bit of that going on. My leg's broken. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I didn't know it was broken. Okay. So there's a lot of people that were like you at one point, that one mile seemed so intimidating or so far or that they weren't capable of it. They're not athletes or they're not in shape or whatever it is. But now you're at the point where it's just like, okay, 100 miles is a no big thing. And you said you don't need motivation. Why do people who can't even do a mile need motivation or do they need something else? First thing is I have so much respect for endurance that 100 miles, I could run 100 miles 100 times and I still will go into a 100 mile run being like, I don't know. And because all it takes is one misstep, it is not guaranteed to anyone, no. no matter what endurance challenge. So I've done a lot of Ironmans, I've done a lot of hundreds, I've done a lot of events to know that one mistake and you could be derailed. And so there's always respect and humility going into these because so much could change when you're doing something for the longest run I've done was 33 hours running nonstop. Oh, and so, how many miles was that? 140. Yeah, so... 33 hours. Yeah. No sleep. No sleep. No stopping. I mean, like some walking to grab food or yeah, to every, know, go to the bathroom, obviously. Yes, and, every hour I was meeting up with the support support crew just to get water and fuel. Water so. and fuel because you have the calories in your system, obviously, otherwise you'll burn out. And um, using the bathroom or whatever it is. So... 33 hours, 140 miles. Yeah. How do you keep yourself motivated at hour 20 when you're like, I just want to sleep? I had a friend join at night. Like there were there were little things. Yeah. Sometimes I break it into segments, and at this twenty-five mile, I'll be able to listen to music. <laughs> right, and, right. So I so, wait. I've been, I'm almost at the twenty-five mile. We're gonna listen yeah. to music. Yeah. Okay. So I do little things like that, but there is a state of flow that I'm in mm. in endurance that. I haven't experienced anywhere else but endurance. And what I mean by flow is this state of you're present, you're not worried about tomorrow or, or yesterday. And I think endurance, the longer you go, the more you have to be so focused. And so I really listen to my body. And so there is, yeah, there's a lot of focus that's happening. And so I find it to be exciting too. Just mm -hmm. like, oh, you never know what's going to happen. And yeah, it could change. I mean, within a hundred mile race, you can feel like, oh, I could do this forever. And then you could also feel like I don't want to take another step. And so it's usually such a roller coaster that you just wait a little bit and know that it, it won't last forever. So what was the longest time you were by yourself? Was this in the row in the Atlantic? The rowing the Atlantic, I was alone at sea for 70 days. 70 days, so a little over two months, two and a half months or something. You didn't see another person during that time. You had a couple phone calls, obviously, but you didn't see anyone. Or maybe... There was a Venezuelan fishing boat that came and said hello around... Day like 64. Wow. So 64 days, no human contact. Just the fish. Just the fish the and dolphins, salt water and the heat. Some sharks. Yeah. Wow. How did you keep yourself sane? Uh, audiobooks helped. Okay. So yeah. you were listening to books. Yeah. You were reading. You, were, you had downtime, right? You were... I mean, I would row about 10 to 12 hours. Man, and there's not really much else to do out there. So... Some sleep? And I would scrub the barnacles off the side of my boat sometimes oh. just because it would slow down 
the boat, but I did watch a couple movies. But, yeah. but how do you keep yourself not calling in for the Coast Guard to come pick you up and, and take you? How do you just keep going? So what was unique about the row is I wanted to put myself in a situation where the only option was to overcome. Wow. That's why I didn't want a teammate. That's why I didn't want a follow boat. If I had a follow boat, I probably would have quit. You would have and tapped out. Realistically, even if I wanted to quit in a day, I probably would have changed my mind. And so it you it could take up to two days for help to get there. And you said, I got this. Never mind. I'm good. <laughs> well, yeah. by the time they came, I'd be like, no, nah, I changed my mind. Yeah. So I think that helped. For whatever reason, I did have a lot of, you know, doubt, doubters and people saying things that I couldn't do it. So some people get motivation from different places. For me, I that's very motivating when someone's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, Okay, thank you. Like, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, those all helped, yeah, for me to keep going. Wow. What happens when you feel an extreme amount of pain in one of these challenges and you feel like, okay, my body's telling me it's shutting down. My mind is now getting in this negative loop of pain and frustration and uh, maybe I should need to stop. How do you flip the thought into something more? Do you have a mantra? Do you have a, a story you tell yourself? Do you go back to your why? What do you do? I'm huge into problem solving. Like, there are people who spend months out at sea, they'll come back with salt sores all over their body, and that's a lot of pain that's could be easily prevented by just taking solar showers and using baby wipes to wipe down all the salt off your body. So if I do have pain, it's usually what can be done to minimize this pain. And a lot of times in endurance, it's just having the restraint and patience to slow your pace down. Um, but there's there's so many things like swapping out shoes will alleviate a lot of pain just mm -hmm. because in these endurance runs your feet can swell two sizes larger and so um, you could do a lot with your with your shoes you could do a lot with your whatever you're wearing you could do a lot with your pacing and your nutrition and so it's a good signal and it's important to listen to. So I use pain as a like a teaching moment, a listen moment, a change something moment. And so and I do think there is a rush of overcoming it when your mind decides that it's stronger than that feeling. And so, yeah. How do you get your mind to believe that it's stronger than the extreme pain that you're feeling in a momentary uh, experience? Is it training? Is it just practice? Is it just... Because this wasn't something you did when you were growing up. You were like, eh, I don't want to do any physical activity, it sounds like, and barely pass a gym class that's walking, and I can't do one mile. So when there's this 100 miles of pain, how do you constantly overcome it? Every mile that you've done gives you confidence to mm -hmm. go another further. And so... I think looking back at how far you've come and how many times you've said, I couldn't do it, and all of us carry a long list of things we thought we couldn't do that we did. And so I think checking ourselves, and that's helpful. Where does faith come into play for you? I think for the row, there was obviously a lot of highs and um, breaking that world record and raising a bunch of money for charity and it was a whirlwind after that particular event and uh, it wasn't immediate but about six months 
a year later, I was really in this low. And mm. sometimes we think the achievement is the high, but for me, I felt like that was the low because I reached my goal, but I lost my purpose. I lost the reason I wanted to jump out of bed every morning, the thing I was mm. working towards. And once I had lost that, it really made me hungry to seek and hungry to know what is a purpose and what that is beyond a goal achievement, striving for the next thing and the next thing. And, and we could continue to do that. For me, the only place that I've been able to find that rest from finding my identity and my worth and achievement is faith. And so I started to have a relationship with God as a Christian and that has shifted everything for me as an athlete. And mm. I don't think I would have been able to go back to endurance in a healthy way because it's really hard to enjoy something if you think your worth depends on it. Because it's like, what if you lose? Then you lose everything. And so that was kind of the mentality, uh, very fear-based. And so it's given me a lot of freedom in that I know there's like a lot of talk of like self-confidence and it's freed me from really needing that because I have confidence in God. And so I have more confidence in God than Yeah. So it, it, it's not a need that I have anymore. And so you don't put the, the pressure to build your self-confidence. You just eliminate that weight is what it sounds like. And you put your confidence and faith in God to give you what you need. Absolutely. To overcome challenges, to take on... I mean, one of the biggest things about these challenges is facing failure and who are you when you fail. And so mm -hmm. there's been a lot of rest in that space. And a lot of the, the tips, the lessons can help people achieve and strive and continue to go through that. But I think what people need most is that place to rest and place to feel like they don't need to earn their worth. And... Interesting. Yeah. So how do you, how should we define our worth? By what? So for me as a Christian, it's, it's really about what Jesus did and what he enabled us to have access to through his acts. You don't define your worth by, by, on your achievements or by how far you can go or whether you accomplish something or not. You don't put your worth on that. No. Yeah. What would happen if you put your worth on these big challenges, do you think, of either accomplishing them or failing at them? I think what happens when your worth or my worth would be tied to it is it would just suck out the joy of it. I think there could be a lot of ego involved because I was given everything that I have, so I can't really take credit. And even being a hard worker, that is also a gift. Being um, determined is also a gift. I mean, I could not use it, but it was still a gift given. So even to take ownership and say, well, I worked hard and I'm so determined. Well, those are also gifts. And so it's humility, really. What about identity? How do you think about identity, build your identity? Is it tied to these acts or is it more about something else in your life? And so, if you're not able to do these things anymore, how would that affect your identity? Yeah, I mean, it's very basic, but as a Christian, it's a child of God. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of mind-boggling to think that everything is going to wash away, 
just to have our moment with the maker and everything is going to be determined for eternity on what we do in this and what decision we make about faith. And so that's a, it's a big, it's a big decision. Sure. Gotta make. <laughs> so why is this, uh, do you look at your, do you identify as part of your identity as someone who takes on these, uh, these challenges or is that not part of your identity? I feel like, yes. I mean, I think God's called me to do this mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you know that's part of your calling, at least for this season of your life? Was there something you were hearing when you were younger that brought you to that first mile and then said, okay, I want to try more? How come that didn't happen sooner in your life? I think some lessons, are, you know, are always available. It's are we willing to listen and mm-hmm. are we ready to listen? And mm-hmm. so, my own stubborn nature can be helpful in certain situations, but in other situations it could prevent me from learning those lessons. So I wasn't ready to learn any of those lessons. Until that moment, yeah, until those times. How do you set goals for yourself so that they're scary enough for you to be excited to do them, but also not too crazy <laughs> to say, okay, I'm just going to double my distance and shorten the time this time because it's scary, but how do you set goals accurately let's say there's definitely been like even before rowing the atlantic that was part of a bigger vision of going around the whole world by human power and i was like well what's the hardest part it was the row and so that's why i did that mainland to mainland that's why i did that part first because i Mm. wanted to do the hardest part first so that I feel like has been with me as an idea or a dream for a really long time. But, to go around the world? Mm-hmm. So you row part of it, you swim part of it, you run part of it, you bike part of it? Exactly, yeah. And just go around? Yes. Wow. I think, you know, it's a timing thing. And for my 20s, I was more focused on, you know, career type things. And so after I'm out of the Coast Guard, that could be one dream or goal that's crazy with that's cool the vision of helping a hundred thousand people get clean water so right now that's really cool how long would that take do you think it really depends i mean with covid and with getting in and out of countries and political things and so it could take two or three years wow has anyone ever done that uh no woman has that's pretty cool yeah i probably would want to do it in legs anyways because yeah. I think you can get a little weird going on I'm these sure. adventures. Two, three years for, like that? Yeah. Like just isolated? Like, yeah. I think like three to six months is as long as I would want to do Out that to myself. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But that's been one with me for over a decade now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. What's, your, what's your biggest fear? Well, I was reading about some areas, and they're like, you should get kidnapping insurance. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, So I am looking at certain sections to have protection and have a guide and, and, like, pay for that service. But I haven't really done many adventures in different countries. And if I did, it was Australia or New Zealand. So And even doing the row, I mean, the scariest moments being in the middle of the ocean were other boats either crashing into me or there there's pirates anywhere you adventure i think my biggest fear is what other people could do as a solo traveler so that's my biggest fear and 
I'm glad I do have that fear because I will use it. Yeah, be aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge in your life? You've finished so many of these challenges so far. What's the biggest internal challenge you face? I think it was after the row and really figuring out what is my identity. Because what's next? Okay, I just accomplished this big thing and now I'm kind of depressed. You hear about this with like Olympians. They've been training their whole life for something. They do this crazy feat, amazing high, and then like the next days or weeks they go into a depression because there's no more routine. There's no more goal. There's no more collaboration or you know challenge to face do you feel like we should always have some type of challenge we're taking on life definitely is meant for us to be growing constantly i think there's definitely balance with that and if you're going from one to the next and not really cherishing it and enjoying it it's doing a disservice to what you're doing and this is good for us yeah and one of the things that you're always doing in these challenges it's towards a greater cause than you. It's all about providing access to clean water to people around the world, right? Exactly. And I think the number is you've helped close to 45,000 people, right, gain access to clean water. How important is it for us to have something beyond ourselves, whether we're an athlete on a, a team sport or endurance athlete, but taking on these physical, mental, demanding challenges, how important do you feel like it is for, for all of us to have something bigger than us as a part of our why? And do you think you'd be able to finish these things without having that vision in your mind? Yeah, I don't even know if I'd want to start. Really? Yeah, I mean, if... It, like, what's the point? Yeah. If you have something you're so passionate about, there, there's got to be a way to use it. And so, I mean, that is somewhat of how I, I do define greatness is finding the thing you're most passionate about and figuring out how to serve it and use it of service, use it. Great passion meets a great need. And I just think that we're wired to do that. I mean, we're meant to be in community and we all have gifts, we all have talents, we all have something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So when things get really challenging in your mind, is that something you think about is like, okay, I'm gonna keep doing this for the people that need water, is that? Well, with water, the good thing is, I mean, we can disagree about a lot of things in the world. I mean, we could all agree that everyone deserves clean water and clean water, similar to endurance challenges, I think clean water is is almost like a, a metaphor because all these challenges seem impossible and the, the big numbers, right? And clean water is the same way. It just seems impossible because 785 million people don't have clean water, but it's the same approach of endurance, of taking it one step at a time, taking it one mile at a time, taking it one person at a time. And that's how I believe the water crisis will be solved. And it just fires me up about clean water because there's a lot of problems we don't have answers to. There's a lot of, you know, whether it's research or technology, but with clean water, we already have the tools. And some wells will fail and you'll need to maintain it and environments will change and there'll be, you know, flooding or droughts. And so, yes, there are always challenges with everything, but we do have proven solutions that work. And so when you see a huge problem and aside from air, what more do we, you know, what's our basic need? And we have after air, it's water. Uh And so when you see how 
much potential there is with technology and the fact that, you know, driving and flying and all of this, it's, I just get so fired up about, wow, this is a problem we can actually solve and it could change our world. Yeah. One in eight people. This is our daily struggle and we have the potential to end a, a crisis that has been on our planet. I mean, that's exciting. Yeah, that's very exciting. What do you feel like this has all done for your mental health? So what happens when you're doing these challenges is I get a lot of adrenaline. Right. So much adrenaline. Like Before, even, during, oh, after. Yeah, yeah just even the day before a race, like not being able to sleep. Yeah. And, and there's so many endorphins. And then once it's over, it's like, oh, the party's over. And so I've done this so much that I know that that's will probably happen. And that's kind of part of the process. And mm. that's my body's way of going from one high to recalibrate, you know? And so if I went from that high to another, it just, my body needs to regulate. And that's kind of part of it is just feeling depleted and feeling now that I understand it and don't take it personally, that's definitely helped so that it's not like, oh no, why am I feeling? Oh, this is because my body just used all of that. Mm -hmm. And now I have to rest and recuperate but it's also enabled me like it's been a positive impact on my mental health and that um, building community meeting new people ex exploring traveling the community like there's definitely a strong community within ultra running and every sport has mm -hmm. has their own community and so i've definitely been able to meet others and, and share that that's cool yeah. What advice would you give someone who's taking on a big challenge in their life where they don't feel prepared, i.e. myself getting ready for a marathon? What if they don't feel like they're physically prepared for some challenge, whether it's two miles they're about to run or a marathon or something? They're like, I'm going to do this thing, but I don't feel fully ready or prepared. What advice would you have for someone to take on the challenge and uh, complete the challenge. Well, there's a lot of people who have done it who have felt like you felt right now. Right, who've done marathons yeah. and have been prepared. Yeah, lots yeah. of people. Yeah, a lot of people have felt what you feel right now and have been able to do a marathon, so. Just remember that, or is there any other, is there any other <laughs> wisdom, <laughs> any other advice? Um, I think you mentioned before, going to it like with just each moment at a time. Yeah. Bring a sense of joy to the experience. Don't dread the, the end of it or the how long it's gonna take, but just enjoy each moment, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I do any kind of event, if I already think about the end, it's kind of, it's over. I mean, it, it does definitely suck out the joy. And so just, yeah, embracing it and not taking it personally when those feelings come up. Like yeah, yeah. it's, I think most people who ever run marathons, who ever do these things, go through some kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can. And that's that's just part of the process. And yeah. so focusing just on that one mile and every mile ahead will be dictated on how you pace and how you focus on that one mile. So yeah, just focusing one mile at a time. One thing that, you know, through these endurance challenges, like, rowing the Atlantic, it's 3,000 miles. And halfway through, I was like, I wanna give up, this really? is ridiculous. And so I'm like, I give up on 3,000, but I give in to one mile. And that was my shift. I'm rowing one mile 3,000 times. 
and that's really, you know, one mile, just one, one mile, mile time, not 3000 yep. miles. Yes. No, I couldn't do that. And I mean, most endurance challenges, the halfway point is like, oh, I'm closer to the end than the start for the row. I had this opposite thing happen where I'm like, I gave everything to get to the halfway point. I don't think I could do that again. I'm exhausted. It I feels can't. bigger. Oh, and no. I, now I'm like in this place where I'm the farthest away from land and any, like, so I, I I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Get me so, out. And so it just felt a lot bigger. And so that's why I just, I said, I can't do this 3000 stuff. I could do one mile. And, uh, the one mile is, is the way to, to go. Focus to go. on one mile yeah. at a time. Yeah. Okay. I got this. I'm you got it. it. <laughs> one you mile at a time. We can follow you at katiespots.com, S-P-O-T-Z. Stay in touch with you there. You're over on Instagram and social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and you'll be sharing more of these adventures in the future, I'm assuming, on social media. You're posting about it when you're doing them, and people can can learn more. They can be a part of the causes to help clean water by following you over there as well. What else can we do to support you right now? So clean water is, is my, my thing, and so um, if you'd like to donate uh, all the proceeds go directly to supporting clean water projects. So on my website, there's a place to donate. And that would be greatly appreciated. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We'll make sure to send people over there. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone at the end of the interviews called the three truths. So imagine it's your last day on earth many years away from now. And you get to live as long as you want to live. But for whatever reason, it's the last day. And you accomplish everything you want to accomplish. You have a great life. But you've got to take all of your accomplishments, your, your message, it's got to go with you to the next place. So no one has a memory of you or your information anymore. But you get to write down three things you know to be true from your life. Three lessons that you would share with the rest of us. And this is all we would have to kind of remember from your information. What would you say are those three lessons or three truths for you? Yeah, I'd say the first one is that just because you think you can't do something doesn't mean you're right and that we're more capable than we think. And um, I, I, I think we do this thing sometimes where we project that other people are more talented, more gifted, they have, they have something more and are superhuman. And it may seem like humility, but what it actually could be is avoiding taking responsibility for us to do our very best with what we have or even laziness, like to be projecting that other people are bigger or better. So yeah, we're just, we're, we have more than, than we, we think we do. Yeah, I, I would say that motivation is overrated, mm -hmm. that you can do things when you don't feel like it. And um, there's something that's even more empowering uh, and that motivation shows up when you do. Uh, motivation is like momentum, when you begin, it it'll start and so mm. it'll keep continuing. So I think showing up and trying is really important and that you can kind of trust the process that motivation will come. I mean, one step makes it easier to take the next one, mm -hmm. so. I like that. Okay, and the third truth? Okay, so a lot of what I've done is like, you know, facing and dealing with failure and, and the potential for failure. And the biggest tragedy is not failing, but not having something worth failing for. Ooh. So it's, it's just finding something that is bigger than your fears and insecurities and is worth failing for. 
Say that one more time. Not failing, but not having something worth failing, failing for. for. That's yeah, cool. it's not failing, but not having something worth failing for. That's sad when you're yeah. just like, I fail big, fail big. Yeah. So how do we find something worth failing for? I think we all have a call. It's that, it's that yeah. insecurity, that fear. It's kind of like leaning into that is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everyone here on planet Earth has a mission, has a call, and it's not meant to be a mystery and um, just to really listen to it like mm -hmm. intuitively. and Yeah, I love that. Those are yeah. good three truths. I want to acknowledge you, Katie, for, I mean, just taking on the fears in your life and taking on the challenges that seem super scary to yourself and resistant, but also saying, I'm going to take them on even though you could fail or you could succeed at them and you keep showing up. I think it's really inspiring. And you do it not for the recognition for yourself, but for a greater cause, which I think is really inspiring as well. And obviously you're getting rewarded and acknowledged for this effort as well. But I think having something deeper, more meaningful behind this vision is really inspiring to serve other people as well as supporting yourself on this journey of life and creating more opportunities for yourself. So I really acknowledge you for the journey, the accomplishments, the success, and the service underneath all of it, which is really inspiring. My final question for you is, what is your definition of greatness? Well, that was a great lead-in because I feel like when kids are young, it's like, what do you want to be, a doctor, a lawyer, or this or that? And who says humanitarian? Not many people, not or mm -hmm. a saint. But greatness is being of service and serving something bigger than yourself. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.